welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. It is Thursday night, and if you can hear our voices, you're exactly where you need to be. She is Karen Frazier. I am Rick Hale. This is Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. Welcome. Karen, how are you? Well, welcome back, Rick. Thank you very much. How am I? I think I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm a, I'm a little loaded up on antihistamines, but other than that, not bad. That'll do it. Well, I'm, 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 a, I'm a fourth or fifth beer in, so... Uh, well, I woke up, or not even woke up the other day, I was sitting here doing work, uh-huh. and um, I, like, my eye itched, and so I reached up, and all I did was kind of, like, pressed on the corner, because sometimes, if I just sort of squeeze my nose in the corners of my eye, right. it will um, make the itching go away, because I don't like to rub them, because that's supposed to be bad for you, right? Right, yeah. I mean, so, and all of a sudden I noticed I couldn't see out of that eye very well. And it was like, I thought I had like a big bunch of goop in it or something. I got up and walked into the bathroom to look and my eye was almost swollen shut. Did you have It pink was eye? like sudden onset. Yes, it was pink eye. No, it was allergies. I don't oh. know what it was, but something. And my eye is still, this was two days ago. And um, I've been load, loaded up on antihistamines and, you know, Benadryl, which is really, really makes you want to sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah, Benadryl. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, and out. Yeah, and antihistamine eye drops and stuff. And today, I finally look almost normal, but it's still swollen and itchy. I have no idea what it was that did that to me. I, I just, I wish I knew, because I would avoid it. Right. <laughs> it was horrible. I mean, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I went, <gasps> this was really bad. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I did. I was like, oh, my God, I'm hideous. And I went out, and Jim was out working on Tanner's car, and I went out on the front porch. I was like, Jim, come here. And, he, he's, and you can see that he, he comes walking towards me, and he, like, stops in horror. Like, <laughs> he didn't even have to ask, why are you calling me with that panic tone in your voice? He saw it on my face. <laughs> he's like, hey, lady, why don't you go and ring the bell? Oh, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> so, you know, had dinner with the boys that night, and they didn't want to sit across from me. It was really bad. That's but funny. I did I did leave. It was a, it was down to just kind of swollen today, so I actually left the house today. So uh, that's good. <laughs> and nobody ran screaming, so it's all good. Good for you. You know, that's, that's great. Make, making progress. Oh, making progress. Lord, I know. So if I sound a little dopey or drowsy, it's the Benadryl. That's okay. I mean, I could have done last week's show, but I had just had a tooth removed. So thankfully, I had no idea that pain like that could exist. Yeah. But yeah, it's gone. Thank God. Well, have a child or a kidney stone and, you know, it's kind of the same. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So, okay, well, tonight on tonight's show, let allow us to preview our guest for tonight. And I know that I am just, I am going to butcher the last name. I know that I am, so I, I apologize. You are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to be why joined- I have you do this part of the show. Go on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to be uh, joined by Brad 
uh, Duple Sheen. Oh man, I hope that's so right. Ooh, um, I don't even think it's close, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or du- Duple Chin, uh, founder of the <laughs> Louisiana Spirits Paranormal Investigators. I don't think that's right either, but okay. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thinking that that the last name is not right. So if you're listening, Brad, I I'm apologize. Sorry. <laughs> We're very very sorry. We're I'm very laughing sorry. at Rick, not at your name. No. She laughs at me all the time, so it's okay. Du du chien. It's it's French. It's like double dog. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, that would be double. Duple yeah. chien. Duple. I don't know. Because. I don't know. Duple chin. That's what Cheryl says. That's her guess. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll find out. And um, we're really, really duple chien. We'll find out really soon. Okay. Don't mind her, folks. It's the antihistamine speaking. <laughs> it's the antihistamine speaking. We're really, really good with names. Well, you know, it's like people call me and they say, she keeps posting the pronunciation and they're like, we're going to get it right. Cheryl, just, it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, people people butcher my name. I'll get calls. People will call me like Mrs. Frazier. I mean, Frazier. Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> How hard is that? Right. Well, I had, I used to work for a family. Their last name was St. Peter, you know, mm-hmm. S-T period, Peter. Yes. And she would, she said, uh, she said, I always know when it's a, a phone salesperson calling me because they, they say, is this Mrs. De Peter? What? <laughs> Come on. I mean, you know, <laughs> okay. it's so obvious. St. Peter. That still cracks me up. When she told me that, I thought that was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard that people would actually call. Because I always thought it was funny that people would say, like, uh, Frazier. Frazier. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really difficult to, you know, butcher my name. My last name is just Hale. Originally Mick Hale, but just Hale. Uh, is that, that Hallie? Um, no, you know what? Oh, I, you know, let, me, let me see if I can oh. get this right. No, you know what I really hate is, is I've been getting it ever since I was a kid. Hail, hail, the gang's all here. I just want to, like, karate chop a person right in the throat whenever they start singing that song to me. Oh, well, okay. So now I know you don't like that, and Chuck has a, a specific name. He doesn't like his name to be derived to, so, because apparently kids bullied him with it. So I won't sing that to you, and I won't call Chuck that name anymore. Oh, what, Chucky G? No, he loves Chucky e. G. I'm not going to say it because he gets upset. I was going to say, that's cool, man. That's like DJ Chucky e. G. Chucky e. G is awesome. That's why he adopted it. Mm-hmm. My yeah. kid calls him Chucky e. G. It's hilarious. Yeah. So, hey, Rick, guess what? What? We Chicken. finally made it. We finally made it up to Wellington this year. First time. I've never been all the way to August. I mean, usually by now, I've got two or three trips under my belt or more and this year just you know it's kind of the way things worked out we've been busy we have kid to pay for college you know so we've been working instead of playing and um we finally made it up on saturday it was lovely that's great did you uh you know you know come into contact with anybody up there um it, it it yeah i would say there were a few little things nothing super major but you know a few little things so yeah yeah, well, you, it feels the same. It feels the same as it always does. Right. Well, I mean, you guys have got like the all-star team of psychics on your team. So, well, it wasn't my team. Billy, Billy from my team came with me. Um, but William was up there. William Becker, 
And yeah, he was he's he certainly picked up a bunch of stuff and um Jim came up with us and then we ran into Bert up there, Bert Coates. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we had a lovely time. Fantastic. It was lovely. Yeah, I mean that's you know It's my happy place. Yeah, exactly. And your enthusiasm for the place is so infectious that it would make anybody want to visit there. I know I know Aww. I go. So well, it is. It's just a, it's a lovely place. And to me, it's not even, I mean, it is about the spirits that are there, clearly. But to me, it just has this energy. And I can be all wound up in knots. And I s- get out of my car and step into that parking lot at Wellington. And everything just kind of goes, <sighs> yeah. yeah, it's it's nice to have that kind of a place. It is. It's absolutely lovely. So, you know, that was our big thing. And you had um, an investigation for an episode of Ghost Tapes, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, Luke and I, we went up to, well, actually he's pretty much, you know, from the area, but yeah, I went a little bit south from here into Kane County to St. Charles, Illinois, Mm. we investigated the Arcata Theater. This place, now, in all my, I'm going on like 23, 24 years now or whatever of of investigating, and I will say I have actually been in a creepy place. This is the only time that I've ever been able to say this place was creepy. The basement of this place was you know, it was ran as a brothel back during Capone days. In fact, Capone and his boys used to go there, um, and it was used as um, well. They used to torture and kill people in the basement, Capone and his guys. And I, we got got a got a great evp and we got an amazing picture that i did put on my facebook page oh you did yeah i mean even even my wife jamie who is like she is she's an amazingly she's very great with critical thinking she's incredibly skeptical about all this but when i showed her the picture that i took even she was like oh my god so you know it was if, if jamie can see it and she does not have a problem with pareidolia if she sees it it's there. That's all there is to it. And plus, I, you know, had several other people take a look at it, including, um, you know, some colleagues from, you know, across the, from over the pond. And they were like, wow, yeah, we definitely see what you're telling us here. So, so this is a picture in amongst a bunch of pictures. Well, no, it was, it was the one picture that I had sent. It was, it's down in the basement and there's like doors or whatever and like windows and, and standing in front of one of the windows is what looks like a woman standing there. You can like see her face, and it looks like she has her hand over one uh, over her one of her breasts, and she's like looking down. We believe that that is the woman that was murdered in that basement when one of uh, Capone's cronies got a little out of hand and, and you know shot her and killed her. Oh, I don't know where the picture is. I'm looking on your Facebook, and I'm not seeing it. But you know, I've totally i I've been so so hopped up on antihistamines that I haven't really looked much at Facebook, but I don't see it, but that's all right. Ah, I see lots of pictures of your cute kid, though. You can send me the link. Oh, I love love my little boy. So, all right. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was was a great investigation. I mean, we've been invited to go back there, and what's really great about it is is that for their uh, Halloween special, they are going to be screening the our the episode of, of, of oh Ghost. perfect i'm gonna be up on the big screen yeah Woo-hoo! Cool. So, okay cool. so it's time to go to break mm-hmm. we'll come back and we will be talking to our guest whose name we probably butchered at the top of the show Sorry, um so it's brad from louisiana spirits right 
See, I can say Brad. That's not hard. Well, you know, I'm on antihistamine, so maybe it is. <laughs> anyway, so let's do this. Let's go to a break. Uh, we'll be talking about some Louisiana spirits when we come back. Everybody stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. We will be right back. Hey everyone, here. Come join me on my show, In the Dark Radio, where we talk with guests on everything from ghosts to cryptids. Starting from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern, come into the zone and have some fun, right here on the AZ Radio Network. From UFOs, hauntings, psychic phenomena, demonology, urban legends, and so much more, where all these things come together. Paranormal Underground Magazine. Explore the unexplained way. This is Karen Frazier, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, a paranormal memoir, my Wellington story continues. Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife or to read an excerpt from the book, visit DancingWithTheAfterlife.com. Thank you. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today.
this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey everybody, welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio at HazyRadio.com. We are your hosts, Karen and Rick. Joining us tonight is Brad Dudlashan, the founder of Louisiana Spirits and Paranormal Investigations. So Brad, welcome to the Underground. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Very cool. So you're uh, down in Louisiana where there's all sorts of great ghost stories, aren't there? Oh yeah, we're down here in the dirty south where that's pretty much the it goes hand in hand with with our lifestyle, hauntings, ghosts and you have it. Right. Very cool. So for you, Brad, how is it that you got interested in this? Uh, did you have an experience or or what? Actually no. I mean a lot of people they've all gotten into, into this great field, you know, with some huge great experience, you know, seeing a full blown apparition or you know, being attacked or something cool like that. But no, I actually with me it was just you know growing up in a, a Cajun household. It's pretty much part of your daily livelihood. You know, haunted stories and ghostly tales just they kind of go hand in hand. They're not really nothing you you think twice about. I was raised growing up in like I said in Southern Louisiana, mm-hmm. kind of what we call you know the Kunasses, Cajuns, Creoles. Uh, my grandparents and parents, you know, they would talk French amongst one another, and they would often tell about different stories, such as the the fifolet or the the ghostly lights that would hang around cemeteries, or the the yeah. cryptozoological creatures known as uh, Lugaru, the Cajun werewolf. I mean, stuff like that. I was just raised on it. Was just interesting things. As I became a little older, as a teenager, you know, all teenagers they like to go find out what's a good haunted house to. Urban legends, and you'll go creep onto the property, go peek in the window, see if something's creepy, you know, going to pop out at you. Sure. Um, kind of started doing a little bit of that, and my grandmother w- was one who would always openly talk about, you know, seeing dead relatives and so forth. And you know, one instance she had told me of a, a weird experience she had. This was only a few days before. She said how she was watching TV and this Lord, this weird kind of black shadow mist just appeared from above her and just kind of hovered over her for a few seconds and then just faded away. Okay. So so she just told me that. I thought that was, okay, that's cool. You know, Grandma, I guess Alzheimer's is sitting in, you know. <laughs> so uh, three days later, she goes back to the doctor's office for a routine checkup. They find out she has liver cancer. She has two months to live. Oh, goodness. And two months to the date she was given the news, she passed away. So it's just, I mean, stuff like that always just intrigued me as – you know, we're we're all so full of life and energy. When we die, you can't tell me that energy and that spirit just goes away into nothing. Sure. So, so it's it's part of the culture there. Definitely. And um, so as part of the culture, do people look on it as kind of legends and stories, or is this do they, do they look on it as being this is absolutely real? And actually, it depends on the religion. I mean, we like I said. Louisiana's got a lot of Catholicism. That, that Catholic religion, you know, they're more of this is part of life, so forth and whatnot. Uh, Central Louisiana, they're more of the Pentecostal and Baptist. They're kind of more into the aspect of you go hunt, you're a devil worshiper type thing. Yeah, I've heard that before. Hmm? Yeah, so they, I- like that's what, what 
our group were broke up into five chapters, uh, six chapters that break, cover up each certain specific areas of the state. And you can always tell our our lower activity locations are based on the religions, the prominent religions in that area. Interesting. Hmm. Huh, okay, that's kind of cool. That's interesting that you. No, so now you you founded the group. Is that correct? Correct. I started this around uh, mid two thousand and five. Before that, um, like I said, growing up as a teenager, I was always into the to the subject. We would go out, but I mean, having an interest in going knock on someone's door and saying, "Hey, can I investigate?" Those are two different right. things. You you kind of need to build up a caseload or I guess a reputation. Right. So I, I had found this small group in southern Louisiana, and uh, they were pretty much the only group I'd found. So I said, well, let me, it's better than nothing, so let me try to investigate with them. Uh, the way they investigated wasn't quite what I was interested in. Their investigations pretty much centered around one specific person who claimed she was a sensitive, which I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking all sensitives. I know there's plenty that are, have legitimate talents, but uh, this one was definitely wasn't one of them. Okay. Uh, however, we how, should. How did we you would, come about that, though? I mean, th- that that conclusion. Well, no matter where we would go, she would always see the same spirit. Oh okay. yeah, that'll yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. AKA a woman in white or a black slave. It was never anything that deviated from those two things. That's the only choices you had. <laughs> well, there were probably a lot of women in white and slaves. Well, in that's that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the best two safest? Guesses to go. I with, know. You know. I'm just. I'm teasing you. <laughs> anyway, go well, on. <laughs> anyway, at the time, you know, we were trying to, you know, get our one big investigation under our belts to really kind of prove ourselves as a legitimate group. So we had lined up Oak Alley Plantation, which has been featured on numerous television shows, and we were going to be the first group in there before you know any TV stations were in there and everything. We were definitely minding our p's and q's. Okay. So we're all we're all there, you know, trying to act as professional as possible. And uh, this this leader of the group, we go up to the attic area for the grand finale, I guess, of the investigation, and she decides she's going to get possessed by whatever's in the attic. And she falls over and starts flopping like a fish out of water. And I turn to the owner, and he's looking at us like, what the hell is going on? And we're embarrassed. And at, at that point, I knew this wasn't the type of investigating I wanted to do. Um, I'm too skeptical to – to, to approach every investigation like this, I can't just take the whatever one individual claims is is the, the gospel truth and go around that. I need concrete evidence, you know, spikes in temperature, spikes in electromagnetic energy, a strange light anomaly. I need to put those few things together, use common sense analysis, and so not the just team say didn't, the team didn't do any of that stuff. Oh no, they just went off of what this one woman felt, whatever she felt was gospel. But then. Never mind. But how right. is it? <laughs> exactly. No, no. I, I my my question is then how is it a team investigation if everybody's following around one woman? It wasn't. It was a basically a democracy. Either you say you either you agree what I want to do or you're out type of thing. Oh <laughs> dear. And yeah, that didn't work. That lasted maybe one investigation for me. And I'm like I said, I'm I'm a hard headed Cajun, and we're kind of set in our ways. And I've been in law enforcement for 16 years, and I'll have a little more common sense than that. I need something a little more concrete. I need something to pretty much jump out and slap me across the face for me to believe. Yeah, I used to be that way too. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah. Fortu- fortunately the rest of the group kind of was on the same lines of thinking that I was. So uh, we all pretty much branched off from there and started Louisiana Spirits. And we just approach every investigation more of a skeptical analysis. We won't just 
jump into someone's home like many of the groups out there and the the person's claiming they have one weird knock or something and say, Oh, you have a demonic haunting and then leave and leave the person terrified oh, and Yeah. I'm mean, much right. rather I'm much rather debunk every type of strange occurrence that's happening and knowing we help a child sleep better at night. Sure. Sure. So I'm sorry, my dog's barked and I, I forgot my question. I actually had a follow-on question from what something you said, but it's the Benadryl. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, that's I wanted to talk to you about then. Um, when somebody calls you and approaches your team, I'm very sorry about the dogs. Um, what is your process then for screening Forgetting beyond, you know, because you're right. People call sometimes because they hear a knock and they decide they have a demon in their basement. And that's a, a real legitimate thing that happens to teams all over the place. Right. So what's your screening process then? Well, like you said, uh, some people either they're, they're not educated enough or they've watched too many, you know, reality show, quote unquote reality shows where everything in, on each episode is a, de- a demonic haunting. Right. Uh, or we even have the cases where it's people simply wanting attention, and they know their house isn't haunted. We've had we had one recently that was just like that. But uh, what we try to do is we have a um, we we're, we're contacted by the homeowner. They they tell us whatever happenings they have going on. So we'll try to set up a preliminary investigation if time allows it, and uh, we kind of just pay the the uh, client a visit and. A lot can be hashed out by simply one-on-one conversation. When you're face-to-face with someone, you can pretty much a lot of times rule out the BS from the legitimate cases. And uh, we'll meet face-to-face with them. We have a questionnaire of about 30, 40 questions they fill out. And from there, from that point on, we can kind of sometimes rule out, you know, right then and there, whatever they're experiencing may be ruled out as, as logically explainable, or then we'll deem it uh reason to conduct a thorough investigation and sometimes the the crackpots do make it through the preliminaries and we had one just some of them are very good yeah Yeah. we had one we had one about a month ago that was very very valid and seemed legitimate and claimed he was getting attacked at night by this female demon uh or whatever the case may be so uh i took the time out of my schedule drove a good 200 miles one way and as soon as I met with the guy, uh, I, I kind of just felt something wasn't right with him. And he was saying he was getting scratched every night. Pulls up his sleeve, and he has about 50 or 60 real definitive pinstripe scratches. Nothing that would be caused from a fingernail or a knife. It was more of like a straight pin because you could see where it would skip the, the wrinkles in the skin as he'd run it across the skin. Sure. And uh, – we kind of went along with it. We went ahead and conducted our investigation, and a good four hours into it, I knew nothing was there, and he was just acting way too weird, kind of asking questions upon himself, like, why would I be faking this? Why would I be wanting attention? And to me, that's that's always a, a surefire way to tell if someone's lying, if they ask questions upon you know the question. Right. So about uh. About 12.30 in the morning, I told one of my investigators, I said, watch what's going to happen. I said, he's about to do something. So I made it kind of publicly announced, you know, hey, if we don't catch something in the next 20 minutes, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Sure enough, about five minutes later, he gets up like he has to go to the restroom. Stays in there about 10 minutes, hear the toilet flush, he comes out. He goes sit in the corner, and we're fixing to start wrapping it up. And he says, hey, y'all, he says, I, she, y- y'all been wanting a... Uh, 
a sign from her. I think she just gave y'all one. And he pulls up, he pulls up his sleeve and right there across his forearm, he has four, you know, perfectly fresh, you know, cuts with the blood oozing. The thing was, the blood had already started drying, proving that he did it about five minutes earlier in the bathroom. Oh my goodness. And I mean, you're, you're in a position, I mean, you, you have a couple thousand dollars of surveillance equipment strewn throughout the house. You can't just curse the man out and leave. Right. I, I, I'm a concealed being in law enforcement, I have the right to have a concealed weapon, so I'm kind of protecting myself at the moment, no telling what's going to happen. His wife, who's on the verge of dementia, she's 20 years older than him, uh, starting the first signs of Alzheimer's. She's not knowing what's going on. She's like a chicken with her head cut off. So right. she's rushing to him to wipe up the blood, and hes you can see it in his eyes. He's like about to go berserk, basically. So you you kind of have to be as professional as you can and say, okay, sir, we'll we'll take pictures of this, and you kind of go through the motions, knowing it's it's straight BS. Yeah. So, so yeah. we we slowly kind of had several members set collect their equipment. We had another member go to the restroom, look for any possible tools he could have used, knowing he had flushed it down the toilet. And I, I was pretty frustrated. I flat out said, you know, could you empty your pockets out for me? And I mean, it, it, when you get to that point where you know you did all this for nothing, just for someone to get attention, and uh, we had the, we, unfortunately we weren't able to interview fellow his neighbors. Uh, from from speaking with him, he had said another group had investigated a, a few months before us, and they kind of disappeared off the map. So I was able to get a hold of them. I was get able to get a hold of them via email, and I asked them, "Hey, you know, what did y'all think of this guy?" And they flat right off the bat, they said, "Hey, he was an attention seeker. We were able to interview his neighbors, and he was, you know, just an attention getter. Everything he did was for attention. He was kind of babyfied. That's why he, he married such an older woman, and everything he did, she would cater to him." Right. Wow. Sorry. Well, he'll be. I was going to say he'll be team shopping even after you. He'll he'll right, like contact right. other teams in the area because that's the pattern. Well, hopefully, like I said, I don't mind telling other groups out there about him so they can save their gas money without having to go visit this crackpot. So, what do you think it is then? Do you think it is just uh, is it a, is it a cultural thing? Is it because of television or you know there are just people who are mentally ill in that in that respect? Well, in, it's a case-by-case basis. In this particular case, he had slipped up and said his granddaughter was a self-mutilator. So apparently it was a, a, a learned trait passed down, and he did the same. But he wasn't going to obviously admit to his elderly wife, hey, you know, I'm cutting myself. So what better way to explain it than my house is haunted and this demon woman's cutting on me? Right. Because looking at his arms, you could tell they were there were 50, 60, even 70 different cuts. He had been doing this time in and time out. And he was he had also had heart trouble, so he was on uh, blood pressure medicine, which obviously thins the blood. So he knew exactly how much pressure to, to put on his skin to, to kind of mm. create a kind of create a delayed blood flow, I guess you could say. Wow. Sure. You know, I almost feel like every paranormal team needs to have a psychologist <laughs> or somebody with a psychology background on the team. Because right. we, yeah, I, I'm part of a team, and and we see stuff a lot too, and I think it's just part of part and parcel of doing private residence investigations and being out there to serve the public. Because you know, 
unfortunately, the paranormal does draw some people with mental issues as well. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody who experiences paranormal has mental issues. Right. But there is that facet of it that I, I, I think that most teams who do private investigations would say that, don't you? Oh, definitely. I mean, at, at least... At least fifteen to twenty percent of the the contacts you get are legitimately crazy people. I hate to say it. Others may simply be just elderly women that are lonely. We've had those before. They yeah. just they don't they don't mind if you just get on the phone and talk with them for thirty forty minutes and they're happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've I've had a I've had a few of those too. So um, I have a couple questions from chat from Elaine and chat. So the first one was she wanted to know if you had ever investigated any of the backwater swamp areas in the state oh no because those are pretty dangerous <laughs> i have so i have severe arachnophobia and it's not the dead, it's not the dead you have you have to be scared of it's the water moccasins the alligators and all those other fine <laughs> creatures of the swamp that you have to worry about but i mean yeah we have tales of you know the honey island swamp monster and the lugaru the cajun werewolf stuff like i love that. the name of that the lugaru that's yeah. so fun to say yeah, the Lou Guru sounds like a, a, a sounds like a pimp name, Lou to the Guru. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, we, we like I said, unless we get out there on, on our boats and go trek out in the swamps, uh, we've never really felt the need to do that. We, we primarily stick with we have being in Louisiana, we have plenty enough private invest residences and plantations and historical locations to keep us busy for for many years. Right. Um, and then Elaine's other question was, it, uh, and you may have just answered it, uh, so with all of the various wildlife in the state, now I live in Washington State where we don't have much that's really very scary. I find garden snakes scary, so can you imagine <laughs> Can you imagine me in, like, in Louisiana? <laughs> just our mosquitoes are enough to, to take anyone oh, away. <laughs> yeah, mosquitoes the size of hummingbirds. Yep. Anyway, she wants to know if you've ever, on any of your investigations, encountered any dangerous animals. Well, at the moment, we thought they were dangerous. I remember one investigation we were at uh, down south, not too far from where they make the, the Tabasco sauce. Uh, we were in this this garden, like eleven acre gardens, and we kept hearing it sounded just like footsteps that were following us. And every time we would take a step, we would hear more footsteps. Till finally, out of, we could we could tell whatever it was was getting closer. So we were like, "Oh God, we're finally getting some legitimate evidence." All of a sudden, this armadillo the size of a, a of a Labrador jumps out of the <laughs> out of the the gardens and comes charging right between us. So I mean, yeah, you definitely have to deal with with all kinds of strange creatures out there. We've had bobcats growling at us through the woods, and oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> just a sec, I'm reading. Rick, ask a question. Somebody just texted me, and I think it's a question for. Let's see the one. Oh. Did you ever see an alligator? Yeah, we've definitely seen a few of those <laughs> investigating. <laughs> so let's talk. You know about cryptozoological creatures. Um, you know, we you covered. We went over the Lugaru a little bit. Um, you experience anything like, um, you know, like a Bigfoot or lake monsters or anything of that nature? No, I mean, far south past New Orleans, you have, like I mentioned, the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which I, which I guess is a, a form of Bigfoot. Okay. Around the around the western part of Louisiana near Leesville, you have uh, sightings of a Bigfoot. We've never gone out to, to 
to search for them. That's that's never been anything I've been too particularly interested in. Right. So basically, you just keep it more towards ghosts and hauntings and uh, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, we we have way too many hauntings on our plate to, to focus on. We really don't have time to to breach out into other facets of the paranormal. Sure. You know, let's talk about your most. I always like to ask people this about their most frightening investigation you know can you go into detail of like an investigation that was just like you left from and you're like wow that was scary well i hate to sound too macho you know and i never get scared type of thing but uh the the one true investigation where i got what i I like to call the pucker effect where your Mm -hmm. butthole (laughs) up into your throat (laughs) no need to explain we got it go on Do it the yeah, second we, you said pucker. Yeah, the pucker, you kind of assumed it. it. was actually at the famous Waverly Hills Sanitarium in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh-huh. And uh, we had all set up our equipment. We were uh, An investigator and myself were on the fourth floor. Everyone else had departed the building and were in the, the little adjacent gift shop. So we knew no one else was in the whole building. And on the fifth, the partial fifth floor above us, where we knew no one was present, we started hearing – what sounded like about five or six young kids just running back and forth. You could hear the trampling of their feet. Sure. And if anyone's ever been in Waverly, they know that no stairwell goes from the top floor all the way to the bottom. They're kind of like a little maze of stairways. You know what, Brad? I'm starting starting to think that I'm the only paranormal investigator that has never been to Waverly Hills. No, I haven't either. (laughs) No, I haven't either, Rick. I've been doing this a long time. It's definitely an interesting place, and it's hit or miss because we went one time and it was off the chain. Next time we went, it was completely dead. So you just have to kind of—it's like any place—you have to just hit it on a lucky night. Yeah, sure, definitely. But in this in this particular case, like I said, we heard the, the children footsteps running above us, so we kind of look at one another like, "Okay, it's time to get out of here." So we find one staircase that only gets us from the fourth floor down to maybe the third floor, and it's a dead end. So then we have to exit that area and try to locate another staircase that can possibly lead us to the bottom. So in the in the confusion of all this, we're getting more panicked. We, we try to key up our two-way radios to try to ask, hey, you know, which which stairway can get us out of here? At the same time, we get like this weird interference that hadn't happened all night, and we're unable to communicate with the rest of the group. So it was just one thing after another. Just feel like something out of a of a horror movie. Yeah, I mean that's that's like a that's like a common thing that you always hear about places like that. I've I've been near it, drove right past it on my way down to a Old South Pittsburgh Hospital. But um, yeah, I have yet to go there. We have another question from uh, Elaine. Elaine always had, asks really really great questions. Um, she says, being in the Bible Belt, do you ever have any conflicts with any of the churches, thinking you are summoning demons and the like? Definitely. When, um, like I said, the central Louisiana part, they're primarily Baptist and Pentecostal. In their opinion, if if you go somewhere to communicate with the dead, you're devil worshiping, which is kind of ironic because you go to church and the first thing they teach you is, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Right? So yeah. what the ghost? What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, in this particular case, we hit uh, there was an old Gothic uh, jail in DeRitter, Louisiana, okay. and uh, we'd been trying to get this place for. a several months and we had to end up going through a big interview process go in front of a board meeting with the the tourist committee and the town hall and this big this big spiel to basically prove you know we weren't crazy and and all this so they ended up approving us and we got to go well the, the local news station had did a little story about a week before we we're gonna arrive 
and the local community, I guess that were the, the holy rollies of the area, they went and picketed in front of town hall saying that we were going to bring Satanism and all this crime and drug use into the community just by coming to a paranormal investigation. And my, my, my only response was, don't you look realize – don't you read your daily news? You've had drugs in this community for 20 years. Right. Yeah. I don't think I don't think some some quiet ghost hunters are gonna come bring all this this trouble and crime in your community. So yeah. tell tell me a little bit about um. So I invite your team to my house, and you've screened me, and I seem like I'm not crazy. <laughs> so far. <laughs> well, right. So now you come to my home. What's gonna happen? Well, first we uh. If we've already done the preliminary, then we've already done the questionnaire forms, kind of gotten a sense of you know how long you've been there, learned as much history as you can about the location, what type of activity you've encountered. Uh, we'll go ahead and prior to officially going lights out, we'll do our base readings and look for any explainable amounts of high electromagnetic energy, uh, decide where we're going to place our cameras depending on where the homeowner says most of their strange occurrences have happened. Once we set everything up, then we officially begin our investigation, which is probably no different than what most groups do out there, which is just monitoring infrared cameras, doing various forms of communication, whether it be EVP work, uh, spirit box or ovulus work, uh, taking cat pictures and... Sure. Kind of so- Tell me, do you feel frustrated with so so as paranormal investigators, there's only kind of certain evidence that we always come up with. You might get something on a video camera, but that's very rare. Mm-hmm. You might get something in a digital photograph, also fairly rare. Right. Or you may get some kind of anomalous readings, or you may get an EVP um, or ghost box, whatever, some audio. We'll, we'll call it audio evidence. Do you ever get frustrated that we're limited to those things? And do you think that there's some other way that we could capture evidence that would do a better job of proving our case than what we're doing now? Well, it, 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 it's kind of a double-edged sword, yeah. When you investigate, if you get something simple as a, like you said, a, a, a photographic light anomaly or an ovulus reading, then people can say, oh, well, that's dust or that's a, some interference with a radio station. But then again, if you get something so legitimately cool looking like a video of, of a, an object moving, then you're automatically faking it. So it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're uh, so right about that. Yes, we are limited to what we have, but we hope to maybe – if we get enough of each type of evidence simultaneously happening at the same time, then maybe we can use that as, as more of a definitive proof that something is going on. You know, just if, – if all we had was a temperature spike, big deal. If all we got was a, a voice recording, big deal. But if we got everything happening at the same time and we can record that, then – that could possibly validate that something there is more legitimately haunted than, you know, just a, a yeah. A right. That stuff is gold, but it's really rare. I it's will tell you, I've had maybe two or three times ever in all of my time investigating had that cluster of things happen where right. we had, and, and the most significant one I can think of is we had an EVP spike 
Um, my husband was carrying a camera that had two of those infrared lights on them, and they had actually like the um, slider switches for on-off. Mm-hmm. And um, we also had a couple pieces of audio equipment and um, another camera. And the, we had the spike on the EVP, and everything shut down at the same time, including those slider switches clicking off. Right. You know, and so there you've got something. But even there, then here's the problem. So now, say you have this, this you know, kind of perfect storm, the cluster of events, right? You're, you're going to still always have a, a skeptic that no matter what yeah. you do, they're going to still find some, some way to negate it. Well, oh. it's, the interpretation is where we have a problem. I believe that right now, where where we are in paranormal investigation is that in order to take this perfect storm, this cluster of events, as soon as we say, well, it's evidence of a haunting, we've made an interpretation as opposed to um, just reported this cluster of events. So how do we make that bridge in a way that is logical where we're not jumping to a conclusion because could it be something else than a ghost that causes this perfect storm of events it it could be and with and like you said with the furtherance of the study in paranormal who's to say it's even paranormal i mean with with, with the enhanced study in science science with, with, where people are learning there are simply more than three and four dimensions there there's many as 30-something-odd dimensions, who's to say it's not just some form of, of being amongst these other dimensions that are crossing over? I mean, like I said, with the study of wormholes and, and all this becoming more frequent, this this may completely get rid of the whole, you know, just simply haunted ghost of a location. Right. 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 So with that in mind, do you have any pet theories that sort of go from in these events that we can record to what it actually is. Well, it depends what you're recording. To me, audio can be misconstrued so much. You have I mean, EVPs have been studied ever since Thomas Edison devised the the voice recording creation. I mean, could they be just interference with radio waves, or, or actually spirits communicating, or these multi-dimensional levels that are interacting that we couldn't have normally detected before? Uh, there's a lot more right. we have. There's a lot more we have to to discover about this, and right. it, it, it's kind of a weird time because you have you kind of have this old salty dog investigators that's been doing this for years, and and they're really mm-hmm. trying to progress. But then you also have those fly by night people that just watched a, a, an episode of Ghost Adventures, and they think <laughs> right. they do it now. You know, they go buy a mail meter, and all of a sudden they're they're the legit stuff. <laughs> right. So, it's it's a hard enough field as it is to become reputable because it's it's a field that's not proven as legitimate. Yeah. But then all, all these people that you know come and go and, and make a mockery of it. And we we had a group not too long ago, and it had made national news. A group from Texas came down to Louisiana and investigated this this historical plantation, and they were high on marijuana, and then ended up burning yeah. the ended up burning the the whole building down. That's because, right. Yeah. So oh. that's the that's the kind of stuff we have to deal with. Yeah, it's bad yeah, it's enough. It's frustrating. To, yeah, it, you're attacked from all ends. Yeah, it makes us all look bad. Well, well so the other thing is that if you look at so paranormal investigation is really what it is is it's parapsychology, it's branch parapsychology. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? 
Right. It started all the way back from the eighteen, right. the late 1800s with the right. psychical institution. Right. But parapsychology is not a physical science. It is a social science. Yet what we're trying to do in paranormal investigation is gather physical evidence. Where it, it, because social science has a different scientific method and methodologies than physical science. Mm-hmm. So... Are we approaching it from the wrong angle, do you think? Well, it depends what you define as physical evidence. Is physical evidence a glob of ectoplasm or I a, don't know. A audio recording, you know? <laughs> I, or, or, or a spike in temperature. I don't right. know. But, but see, that's it. We, we, we try to, I, and I know people do, people say that they're scientific. I like to say they're technical as opposed to scientific because very few paranormal teams actually follow scientific method, e- either social science or physical science. It, it all depends. I mean, we get attacked from all ends by those hardcore skeptics out there, like sure. the, like like the James Randies. When they hear you mention the word scientific, they automatically claim that you're trying to be a scientist. No, I'm not a scientist. I'm not claiming to be. I'm saying we're approaching each investigation with a scientific method, meaning we you know look for a hypothesis, try to recreate what's going on, and once we've ruled out logical explanations, then we look into the paranormal. But a lot of these these hardcore skeptics that just love slamming ghost hunters or paranormal mm-hmm. investigators, they 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 automatically I don't I don't know how many times I've heard oh you use all these devices that aren't even meant to hunt ghosts yet you're trying to say this is the definitive proof that they exist no we're just we're using them to measure the the environment and you know if if we're getting this strange voice recording that we know. No one was present. At the same time, we got this spike in temperature, this spike in electromagnetic energy, and this weird light anomaly on video. There has to be something going on there more than just a, a right. weird ceiling. Right. Now, realize yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate as I mm-hmm. ask you these questions, but don't you think that maybe part of the problem is that, you know, there are a lot of people in the field right now who watch the TV show. Definitely. And... Um, what and so they're presenting things and calling it proof right. or calling it evidence and it creates a credibility problem for all of us and i mean and i've seen seasoned very seasoned investigators too um presenting things that proof that best proof that you know they they're head scratchers but you can't really call them proof can you Right, they're just they're a little more credible than other things out there. <laughs> right, but that's the type of thing that I think is is why. Because you're right, we have as paranormal investigators, we have a real credibility problem. Well, well, like you said too, if people are basing their investigations on what they're seeing on TV, that's the problem right there. Because that's one of them. Mm-hmm. We use this. We use the term reality programming very vaguely because it's a. There's nothing real about these programs, and that's what people are getting misconstrued Scripted about. Scripted reality would be right. more I mean, appropriate, yeah. I've I've been on the other side of the, 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 the camera lens before, and I can tell you what you may watch and see two investigators doing. On the opposite side of that camera, you have one or two camera guys for different angles. You have a sound guy, a producer, several production assistants. I mean, to, to truly get legitimate evidence and not claim it be tainted with that kind of you know audience is – Did we lose you? Hello? Hello? Did we lose him, Cheryl? Hmm, No, I see Brad uh, still connected. Brad, can you hear us? Oh, yeah, there's a problem with the call. 
Okay, so let's do this. Uh, it's time to go to break anyway, so let's go to break and reset. Stick Hello? around, everybody. Oh, oh is there? Is he there? Yeah, I'm back. So here's what we're going to do, Brad. We're going to go to break, uh, make sure we've got everything straight on our call. And um, when we come back, we'll talk a little more. Sound good? Okay, we better do that now, Cheryl. Okay. We're going to break. <laughs> let's do it.
Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. We are your hosts, Karen and Rick. Uh, we have been talking to uh, Brad Duplichen for the last uh, hour or so, and uh, thank you so much, Rob, for sticking around for another segment. Oh, no problem. So we have... Uh, questions and um for whatever reason my screen is not allowing me to find them right now and oh okay well hang on uh, i should be able to uh, find uh, it maybe yeah it's uh, every once in a while my computer acts a little screwy because we uh spilled water on it and okay okay here's one before it pops oh. off my screen again i lived in a haunted plantation in deritter so i know firsthand la has ghosts but out of every 20 investigations uh-oh it went away dang it uh- I think I read that one earlier. It said out of the 20 investigations, which one? How, how many, many do you find evidence? Yeah, so what's right. your percentage of evidence? Uh, out of 20, it depends what you consider evidence. I mean, one simple strange phenomenon, maybe 10 out of the 20, but enough to label a location as haunted, maybe 2 to 3 out of those 20. Yeah, so a lot you know less what? than people think. Right. It's not like I said. It's not what TV portrays. It especially if if you approach each investigation with, with such a skeptical approach. You know what though? I, I personally, me, I'm of a mind. It's like I hate the whole percentage thing. Um, it's like you know, saying like, well, eight percent of you know, right? There's no fixed have, amount, you know, right? And it's like it's just you can't you cannot possibly put an actual statistic. Or number to it. I just don't think it's possible. I mean, you could say, yeah, there's a great deal of, you know, of this evidence or of hauntings or, you know, orbs might be ghosts or whatever. I just, I have a problem with that whole percentage thing. I think that that's tele, I think that's made up on television. I mean, I, I could go to New Orleans, reportedly the most haunted city in the country, do 20 and not get a damn thing and, you know, go to this small town and do 10 and every one of them be off the chain. It, it like you said, yeah. you're right. It, it, it all depends. Yeah. It does. Do you think it depends? Um, on the people living in the house, do you think that the people who actually, the, the living people who ha- actually inhabit a place have something to do with whether it's haunted or not? Well, it, it, dep- it may not affect the amount of haunting. It may affect what's reported. If they're more susceptible to it as opposed to just ruling out everything and not even paying attention, then, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to seem different. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure in some cases where something is attached to an individual – or they're more sensitive to the, the environment, they, they seem to enhance the, the hauntings of the location. Sure. Um, and so you just mentioned more sensitive to the environment, and I want to touch on something that you just kind of briefly mentioned when we first started talking to you. And that was that you had, of course, the um, theatrical, let's call her theatrical psychic, right. on your first team. But you said, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't think that psychic is the thing. Oh, definitely not. There, there's some very legitimate ones out there. I, I kind of, the way I've always said it is like people who know karate or martial arts. The ones that brag about it, you know, are the ones that that really don't know that much. Is those secret ones that are that really don't announce it. That you pull to the side and that they really kind of tell you something. That's the ones that are a little more legitimate. Sure. There's, def- there's definitely plenty out there that are they're very valid. Some of the best psychic readings I've ever been given were the ones that never asked me for one penny in return. Yeah, that's usually yeah. the way it is, isn't it? And I've, I've heard of uh, some supposedly 
world-renowned psychics, I've been with them one-on-one, hearing them read other people, charging them two, $250 for a one-hour session, and it was completely false and based on, you know, just dry readings that it, it could apply to anyone. Sure, right. the the kind of the, um, oh, what do you call that? Cold reading? You, cold yeah, reading. with the reading, yeah. cold, the cold reading techniques, which, by the way, I don't think I could do those. Because that seems harder to me, because because I actually am a psychic, um, and I, I don't normally brag about it, and I don't charge for it, and I don't do readings and things <laughs> like that. But I actually one time thought, okay, I'm going to see if I can do a cold reading. I was terrible at it. So really, that's a special skill in and of itself, don't you think? Well, it, 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 you have to read people. I mean, basically, reading people is not psychic ability. It's just re- dealing with enough people to know what a majority of the people's problems are. I mean, I can pretty much yeah. sit there and say, yeah, I sense you're not that happy with your job. You're, you're wanting a better career move right now that could make you more money. Well, yeah, who who couldn't that apply to? Right, it's, that's true. That's or true. You're, not, you're, you're, you're not always happy in your marriage. Well, no bull. <laughs> we all want to strangle our spouses at some point. <laughs> so you just, oh, I was doing it wrong. Okay, <laughs> so... You know, I think my biggest problem is is that I have a really hard time being dishonest to people. Right. And I think that's why I'm bad at it, because I have tells. And I think if you're going to be good at the cold reading, you can't have any tells. I'm bad at poker for the same reason. That's what I was going to say. It's a poker face. Mm. Yeah, yep. I have I have a lot of tells. So on your team, then, do you work with psychics at all? Do you make that part of your investigation, or do you prefer to go strictly for kind of the instrumental and personal experience type of stuff? We mainly focus on the, the, the concrete evidence uh, as opposed to the, just the feelings. We do have a few members that are, that are sensitive. We don't completely negate their experiences. If we're having strange stuff on, on instruments going on and they're at the same time feeling something or, or experiencing something, then we'll definitely take that into account. Sure. Good enough for me. All right. Um, so you got the official thumbs up from uh, Karen there, Brad. Good job. There you go. <laughs> okay. So you're a corrections officer, am I right? I I work for the Federal Bureau of Prisons. I at one point was a corrections officer. Now I work in sentence computation. Then what? Uh, say that again? Sentence computation. I basically calculate their sentences. <laughs> oh, okay. I got a, I got a cushy office job. Basically, I, I was I was a hack for seven years with the feds, and I had enough of blood and guts, so I went behind a desk. Now it's much quieter. So a lot of people, a lot of places that are considered to be very haunted, are jails and prisons. Mm-hmm. Yes. As somebody who has spent some time there as a, uh, a correctional officer, what do you think about that? That's definitely true. I mean, you have a, a, a say, a particular prison with a max capacity of 2,000 inmates. You know every 2,000 – probably 99.9% of those inmates are pieces of crap. <laughs> and sure. they're, basic, they're basically full of negative energy, sure. tons, of, tons of bad history behind them. And not to mention the, the history that's happened inside the walls, such as violent attacks, murders, rapes, all that kind of stuff. So definitely some of prisons to me are some of the most haunted places. You have uh, Angola State Penitentiary in not too far south from here in Louisiana, one of the most haunted locate, one of the oldest prisons in the country and one of the most haunted locations as well. So you think it's um, 
do you think it's because you see a lot is prisons, hospitals, jails, places like Waverly, which were, you know, the big um, sanatorium, um, poor farms, whorehouses, things like that. Do you think that it's the negative energy attached to all of those places that then creates the haunting atmosphere? Or do you have any theories about that? Yeah, I, w- I would say it's it's not just the negative energy. It's more the emotion. If you've had that much emotion, especially like a brothel or something, where these young women were pretty much subjected to slavery pretty much during the, the proper times, anytime you have a lot of emotion behind a place or negative energy or traumatic event, that's definitely grounds to kind of contain that energy to, to generate a potential haunting. Sure, sure. Interesting. It, so uh, tell me this. What's scarier, ghosts or inmates? Oh, inmates. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, actually, I don't know about that. Inmates, the best way to – people always ask me, you know, how's it like to be in a prison, been in there 16 years? The best way I can sum up, especially a federal prison, is the mix between a daycare and a nursing home. That's the best way I can explain it. <laughs> so, so can you elaborate on that? Because I'm really curious now. Well, you have. It's not like every every prison. The only prison show I've ever watched that's somewhat legitimate is probably Shawshank Redemption. Every other okay. show is so is so, you know, Hollywood. Sure. Amplified, but it's like, especially in the federal system where the lawsuits around every corner. They they act as though a daycare where they always need something, but then a a, a nursing home is that they're always needing to be taken care of. They always have this sense of self entitlement. Or they always, you know, they think you owe them the world. Interesting. Right. And so one, one minute they're complaining like a baby because, you know, their their steak wasn't cooked quite right on a holiday, but yet the next minute they're stabbing someone in the throat. So <laughs> go figure. Yeah, that would see. That's I I could never do that that kind of work um, because I just don't have the stones for it. Quite frankly, um, I would be terrified and because it, the violence. It takes a certain mindset. I mean, I've you don't have to be some big bad guy. You just have to know how to talk to people. I've I've known guys who were you know, six foot five, three hundred pounds straight muscle that could take anyone. They start out and maybe last two days. The minute they feel that door lock behind them, it's this total mindset and they quit. It's oh, it's not wow. about yeah. and it's not a, it's not a danger. I mean, there's the danger, but you just have to know how to deal with people, treat people with respect, and. Give them what they have coming, but there is a there's a certain energy about them. I, I can't tell you how many going in and out of those doors every day, you know, for 16 years. It's almost like once you cross that last gate to get to the parking lot, it's almost like you feel almost like a an umbrella or a a, a wave of energy just get lifted from you. So I'm, I guess it is such a concentrated amount of, uh, as you say, negative energy. Mm-hmm. At, when sure. it's con- you have two thousand people in one place, and all two thousand have negative energy. There's bound to be some kind of residual off of that. Yeah, I think exactly. so, and I, I wonder if a lot of those places have a lot of the more kind of the recorded, which people call residual hauntings. I think in in parapsychology they call it actually a haunting as opposed to apparitions. Right. Um, but you know the the playback of the recordings. I wonder if that's a lot of it in a lot of those places. I know I investigated a, a, a jail and. Um, it, 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 it closed jail. There's no inmates any that were in there anymore. But the energy is really different. You walk in and it's oppressive. You feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
So I understand what you're saying. And so, sometimes that'll sometimes that'll follow home with you. I mean, it'll make you yeah. have a it'll make you have a different outlook on life, yeah. and not not necessarily make you a stereotypical of certain races or anything. It just makes you have a bad outlook on people in general. Yeah, that's probably the other reason that I wouldn't want to work in the prison system because at heart I'm a Pollyanna and I think everybody's wonderful. Yeah, you wouldn't make it. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I seriously wouldn't. Either that or I would be a, a very different person. And I don't want to be. I like I like being this way even though people think I'm naive. So there you go. But, and a, so, a, good, a good example is the, the prison that I'll, I'll work in. It's not very old. It's maybe about uh, – 12, 13 years old, and when I worked the night shift in there, um, the particular unit that I worked had 128 inmates, and one of the inmates had, had drank himself to death. He had made homemade alcohol and kept drinking until he died. Uh-huh. And for quite a while, the, the, the fellow inmates said it, it was haunted by that inmate, and we kind of just laughed it off. Well, those three or four of us that worked variant night shifts would, would see things at night when all the when all the cells were locked and there were no inmates, you know, wandering around the common area, in the corner of your eye you would always see this. It looked like a figure wearing just a white T-shirt, like what a normal inmate would wear. Yeah. And after spe- speaking with several of the inmates, they would report the same things that it, late at night they would see in front of their cells this person with a white T-shirt just walking in front of them. <laughs> wow, interesting. So. Um, we have come to the part of the show that we like to call Shameless Self-Promotion Corner. Now, I realize <laughs> that you are going to be featured in, um, I think, next month's issue of Paranormal Underground Magazine. So, yay, that's exciting. But um, why don't you give our listeners, well, just anything. you, you It's time to shamelessly self-promote, so go. I can self-promote till the cows come home. Awesome. <laughs> well, we, don't, we only have 15 minutes left. Well, I'll, I'll make it quick. First, <laughs> off, first off, you could check us out at our main website, www.laspirits.com. We have over 10 years of investigations. Every investigation we've ever conducted is on there. You know, All the evidence collected. I mean, there's a plethora of stuff to check out. Uh, around February, I set up a project called Geospirits, and that can also be accessed either from our main website or going to www.geospirits.com and what that is is an interactive mapping system of the entire United States and it allows anyone to pick a particular state and you pull up that state map and you can view you know total state nationwide over 3,000 reportedly haunted locations that's um, cool pull up the map it'll have push pins in the exact geographical location of the, the spot that's haunted if there's a place that you know about that's not on the map you can use the submitting form that's available on the website submit the location and you and your group will get full credit for it so it's another way to kind of solidify the paranormal community and bring some kind of some unity amongst everyone which is much needed these days um in 2008, I had broke Paranormal Uncensored, a raw look at Louisiana ghost hunting. I am about 75 to 80% complete on my second book. Oh, which congratulations. Will, Good for you. Thank you. Which, yeah. will, which will actually be – we have some great books already in Louisiana that focus on a specific city such as Haunted New Orleans or Haunted Shreveport. But no no group – no book has ever been out to do a full statewide uh, haunted – you know. Documentary, I guess, in, in books. Perfect. And this will cover close to 200 locations of the reportedly haunted locations throughout the entire state. It'll probably be at least a 400 page book, the, the biggest of its kind for the state. Excellent. Um, 
we host we we host numerous speaking engagements across the state. We host continuing education courses through different prestigious universities such as LSU, University of Louisiana. Uh, we help out local historical societies in hosting public events that the money gets donated to these preservation societies to keep these historical locations going. Like I said, I'm I'm the king of of self <laughs> promotion. You're doing very well. I've got to admit. Sometimes uh, I say that to people, and they're like, um, "Oh no, I can." I, I don't can, know. Hit me up I, on Facebook. <laughs> I can whore myself out with the best of them. You can speak, <laughs> speaking of Facebook, you can check us out at facebook.com/slash Louisiana Spirits. There you uh, go. Speaking of radio programs, uh, one of your guests, your most recent guest, Pete Havlin, founder of Lone Star Spirits, uh-huh. uh, him, myself, and he will be forming our own radio show coming up called The Full Spectrum Project. Oh, which, where will that be heard? Uh, that'll be on his own radio network, SRN Live. All right. I think he's bringing some life back to that network, and we're going to host our own show on that, which is kind of going to be a no holes barred type paranormal show. Anything and anything and everything from UFOs, cryptozoology to government conspiracies to ghosts, you name it. If it's weird, we'll talk about it. Uncensored, uncut, <laughs> the whole nine yards. Very good. So there you go, guys. Do you think that was enough? Did, did we get everything? I can try to think of something else if you need. <laughs> no, no. We have some business we take care of at the end of the show. But, Brad, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, I hope you'll come back. You're a great guest. Definitely. The pleasure's been mine. Thanks for having me, and I'll be back anytime. All right. Thanks. Good night. Take care. Good night. night. All right. So, Cheryl. Hello. Well, hi there. Hi. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Rick. Hi, Karen. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing very well. So next week uh, we have Burt Coates coming on. Is that right? We we do. First, thanks to Brad for joining us. It was a it was a great show. Loved hearing about that part of the United States, which I'm not as familiar with. Sounds sounds like there's a, a That's lot of we're West things. Coast girls. We are. We are. Yeah. Um, and I yes, West Coast girls are no. It's the East Coast, East Coast girls. Coast girl. are hip. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're not hip. But we yeah. are, but that's okay, whatever. Um, yeah, will you promo Bert Coates? Because you are actually a good friend of Bert's, and you can probably do yeah. him justice better than I can. <laughs> so. Well, so Bert's coming on next week. Um, you've heard Bert on this show many times before. He is actually working on um, a new television show, and um, it's kind of a paranormal man versus wild. Ooh. I didn't right? even, yeah, I didn't know that was what the show was about. Cool. Yes. Hmm. And so it's going to be, of course, ghosts, but there's going to be other things as well. So he's going to be coming on next week. And Bert's just always great to talk to because, you know, he's Bert. We love him. He's funny. He's he's a good guy. That'll be a good so, one. Yeah, so he'll be on next week. And then um, I don't know what else we have coming up. I And, what's, and also Chuck. Who does Chuck have coming on? Tonight? Uh, tonight, right after, if you're listening live, right after our show, stay tuned because Chuck, uh, Chucky G of In the Dark Radio will be talking to Shane Pittman of Fusion Paranormal. And Perfect. we've had Shane on uh, several times. He's a great guest. Yeah. He has a lot, to, a lot of good things okay. to say. So stay tuned. Okay, cool. And um, then, so do we have uh, the rest of our August and September schedules filled out or are we still sort of we have a, in? No, we have a lot coming up um, next Next week, oh, you already talked about Bert, the week after. Yes. Um, we did have scheduled 
Paul von Ward, who we have spoken to in the past. I'm not quite sure if Paul will be, still be able to make the show. I'm, I'm still checking that out. But um, if you listen to him, if you know about his work, extremely intriguing. He's the author of Children of a Living Universe, and we've never... We've Never Been Alone and the Soul Genome. And so he's coming on to talk about his latest uh, recently released work. Um, If we do not have him on August 21st, hopefully we will reschedule. But after that, August 28th, William Becker, psychic medium, psychic development coach, and co-author of the new book called Paranormal Insights, A Para-History of Oregon and Washington. I have it sitting next to me right now. It's a great book. I got to get that. Beautiful photographs, book. beautiful photography, and William's descriptions of what's going on there. It's, it's a, a really neat book. Since we have a little more time, I'll uh, let you know who we have coming up in September. September 4th, we have Jessica Morocco. She is a psychic, intuitive medium, a radio host, and author. I was on her show. You were. You were on her show recently. She's also yeah, got a radio she's great. show. Um, hmm. Author of short stories and poems from the other side. Yeah, she's great. She's fun to talk to. That'll be a good one. September 11th, we have Willie Windwalker Gibson. He's a shaman, a supernatural consultant, and member of the paranormal clergy. He's also the founder of Soul Warriors Supernatural. That sounds kind of cool. This sounds cool. September 18th, we are welcoming back American Paranormal Research Association. And two members of that group will be joining us. Brandon Alvis, who we've talked to in the past, as well as Matt Goldman. Very cool. All and, right. Yeah, Sounds and good. then uh, do, 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 September 25th, still working on it. All right, and also we have an August issue of the magazine coming up shortly, correct? Yeah, the August issue of Paranormal Underground magazine at paranormalunderground.net will be available by the end of the day tomorrow, um, being August 8th. The PDF version, the um, version on our app on Apple Newsstand and Google play will be the following week so tell me what people just a little preview of why people might want to pick up that issue well why wouldn't they i mean why wouldn't they (laughs) i mean for one you have like three articles in the issue i mean what well that's that's reason enough there folks (laughs) what more do we need to say no let me pop open the table of contents and i will give you a good idea why um we have so many different articles um, dealing with different subnec- subject matters, not just about ghosts and hauntings, but also UFOs, cryptozoology, metaphysics, uh, safety, paranormal safety for you investigators out there. Um, you can't miss those because there's Elaine who writes because those it's columns. important. Yeah, from... Because uh, we Whoopi. want you to live. Whoopi, the group Whoopi. Exactly. Um, I just like saying Whoopi. Anyway, Whoopi. Um, Whoopi. she talks a lot about things that as investigators, we may not think of when we go into a location that just don't come to mind. They're not just at the surface. And so um, they're very serious things to take into consideration. And that's really one column that, you know, I think that people should take notice of every month. Also, um, we have, here we go. Uh, Let me get there. Sorry. I ask you this every show, I, I know, it's, and, and it comes so as funny. a shock to you every it's, show. It's like I didn't even have it prepared. Um, we have a para chat. You, you, I'm not sure how many para TV fans we have out there, but we have a para chat with Carla Barone, who has been on several para TV shows, including, if you can remember this one, Fear from MTV. One of, oh, one of my favorites. That. Yeah, I don't know that one. Very. Yeah, I, I was sad when it went away, but love that show. Mm. No, I don't um, know that one. 
Yeah, she's a psychic medium. She's been on Haunting Evidence, Mystery Quest, and Dead Famous, Psychic detef- t- Detectives, on and on and on. So she did a little parrot chat with us. Um, we also have uh, Jill Marie Morris, who wrote about the Amityville Horror Effect. And she wrote about, I mean, it's, it's, it, I can't even really get into it, but she talks about the effect of the, the case and, and how it's affected um, you know, different parts of the paranormal community. So check that out. Um, Karen, you have a top 10 on things in the paranormal that make you ranty. I ranted. You did some ranty stuff there. Very mm-hmm. good stuff. You got to read that. It's um. kind of ranty. <laughs> now realize as you're reading it that many of my rants are actually tongue in cheek. Go on. Yes. Um, we have a great profile on spectral tech. And we had uh, Bob on from Bob Fountain from Spectral Tech on our we show. We did. Just, was it last week, week before? Recently. Um, recently. And so we have a great uh, Q&A with Bob about him and his team. We have a special report on lucid dreaming, something that is really intriguing. Ooh, yeah. Uh, we have a another special report on the haunting of Wonder Russell. And that has to do with a short film called Alone that was inspired by her real-life haunting in her home. Cool. Uh, so there's cool. a Q&A on that. I mean, there's just a ton of stuff here. Rick has an article about Norwich State Hospital and its hauntings. Hmm? Uh, we have another article from Rick, uh, part one of the abduction experience, dealing mm. with those who have been abducted. Uh, spectral spirit bearer. If you want to know about that spectral spirit bearer, <laughs> check it out. Um, William talked about an interesting concept in his column inside the psychic mind about layers of time and why maybe a psychic will go to a location and pick up on something that's different from say another psychic who goes to that same spot and he talks about why that you know how the how the layers of time overlap and certain psychics pick up on different things and i think that as usual william has a perspective that is eye-opening Love it. Okay, cool. And we're, we're we're wrapping it up here. We have metaphysical techniques for creating prosperity. I love this one. That's right. It's yours, Karen. It's it talks about ways that you can actually work on your prosperity. And so, it's not just about financial prosperity. It's also that's about, right. I also redefine right. prosperity for you. Yes, it's it's about <laughs> prosperity. So even as, if you're broke, you can feel better about what you have. <laughs> Exactly. You can do, you can, I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but you can do certain things like affirmations or visualization or crystal work, feng shui. uh, And there's some great tips in there on that. Sounds Uh, good. Yep. Uh, Paul uh, Green, the psychic biker, takes on the topic of para-unity and why it's really going to be hard to achieve para-unity in the paranormal field. Okay. And is more. That it? And more. No, that's not it, but and I'm going to stop. Many, and much, <laughs> many, much many, many more. more. But wait, there's more. And how yeah. much do you expect to pay for this? Not twenty nine ninety nine. not 9 <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so, hey, we need to wrap up because we don't want to go into Chuck E. G.'s no. time. Yeah. Because Oops. he would be mad at us. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to our, gra- our, guest, our guest, Brad, whose name we mangled. And, um, you know. Hey, come back next week because we're going to be talking to Bert Coates and that's going to be a lot of fun. Bert will make you laugh because that's what he does. So um, thanks, everybody. Come back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Other times in the flyover states, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Good night. Have a good night. Good night. 
If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio, email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at paranormalunderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network.